All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name today, Lord. We thank you for your righteousness and your just, your mercy and your justice and love towards us, Lord. We thank you that even when we do not feel your presence, that you are with us, Lord. I pray that you would be present with us, even in the midst of our struggles, Lord, even in the midst of our pain and of our sin, Lord, and that you would reveal our personal sin, our brokenness to us, Lord, so that we can repent of that sin, Lord, so that we can be made fully whole. Lord, we pray for those uh, in our congregation and outside our congregation that are struggling from a lack of physical wholeness, Lord. We pray for Nancy Thompson, for Mary Ellen, for Bobby Settler, Noel Searles, and Carol McKenzie, Lord. We pray that you would bring about healing and strength and freedom from pain for those individuals, Lord. We also ask that you would be with Sharon Eaton, as she deals with Shannon Eaton, excuse me, as she deals with the challenges that she faces, Lord. And we just ask that you would be with all of those that are struggling in a variety of ways, Lord. Over the past four months, it's been a very difficult period of time for many people with, incre with increased anxiety, with increased fear, Lord. I pray that you would calm our hearts, Lord, that as so many of us are spending a lot of time together with, with families or those of us that are struggling with isolation, Lord, each of those circumstances brings different challenges. So I just pray that you would be with us in that. We also pray that you would be with other local churches, Lord. We pray for First Parish Church of Newbury, I pray that you would pour out your spirit on that congregation, that you would help the leadership there, and that they would continue to find new and creative ways to minister in your name and to point people to your ultimate truth in the community that they live in. I also ask that you would be with our missionaries around the world for the Schaefers in Australia. Thank you that the Aboriginal communities that they serve have not been heavily impacted by coronavirus to this point, Lord, but we still recognize the challenges that exist <clears throat> in that nation and pray that you would be with them as they continue to do their work and also pray that you would be with the Craysons as many in their family are affected by coronavirus, Lord, and that you would bring about healing there. Lastly, I pray that you would be with our political leaders, Lord, with the president, the governor of Massachusetts, and our local elected officials as well. I, pray, I especially pray that you would be with the school boards and other decision makers that are deciding what school is going to look like here in the next couple of months. I know that that is a hot topic uh, for many parents, Lord, so I just pray that you would give those leaders wisdom as they make those decisions we ask all these things in the name of jesus christ your son amen 
so today is the first sunday of the month which typically means that we would be doing communion we will be doing communion today um, but we are going to do that after today's sermon we are continuing a series called cognitive behavioral theology here at byfield over the course of the summer we've been in that uh, for the past five or six weeks and so we're going to take another step forward in that series today i have lived in my current home in amesbury for eight years a while back i went into my garage and i noticed a water stain on the ceiling just below where my downstairs bathroom is and i thought to myself has that always been there? And I convinced myself that yes, it had. Periodically, I would check to see if the water stain had grown bigger. And I would convince myself it had not. Finally, a couple of weeks ago, there was a puddle in my garage. And I thought, that water stain definitely looks bigger and that puddle hasn't always been there and i poked my finger up into the middle of the water stain and my finger went through the drywall very easily and then water came out and i thought and i texted the plumber to see if he could come out the following week but then that weekend i thought maybe i can fix this on my own so I cut away the sheetrock in the garage and I could see the plumbing for the bathtub. I thought to myself, I might be able to fix this. So I began looking up possible solutions on YouTube. First, I replaced the plumber's putty around the bathtub drain. The leak continued. Then I replaced the faucet in the bathtub. The leak continued still. Next, I took the rubber gasket that fits in between the, the drain itself and the pipe. I took that out and there was a little piece of paper on the top of it and I thought, that probably shouldn't be there. Maybe that's the problem. So I took it away, put it all back together. The leak got a little bit better, but it didn't go away. Finally, I replaced the whole rubber gasket between the tub and the pipe and the leak stopped finally i had found a solution oh thank you yeah i appreciate it i was overjoyed while you may not have fixed any plumbing problems of late you have had the experience i just described in some area of your life things don't work like they should. Houses are in constant need of upkeep, so are relationship. Cars break down, as do economies and governments. Most every job involves a significant amount of problem solving. Actually, if there weren't problems, most of us wouldn't have jobs. Everything people build or fix in this world will experience inevitable, inevitable breakdown. Human existence is frustrating. 
The faulty nature of our world is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to try to answer the question of why things are the way they are. Why does everything break? Why does everything we try to fix go wrong? Sometimes in small ways, sometimes in major ways. To answer that question, we will be returning to the early chapters of Genesis. So if you will please turn there with me now. Genesis 3, beginning in verse 4. We will read through verse 19. That's Genesis 3, beginning in verse 4 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. You will not surely... That's not the verse I want. Sorry. Beginning in verse 14, I'm sorry. So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel to the woman he said i will greatly increase your pains in childbearing with pain you will give birth to children your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you to adam he said because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which i commanded you you must not eat of it cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are. And to dust you will return. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. These verses sound quite somber, and they are. God is functioning as a righteous judge, letting humanity know what the consequences for their actions are. The sentence is extreme while also being just. The punishment fits the crime. The world we live in is cursed by God into a state of futility that plays out in every area of our existence due to sin. The worst part of this curse is the eventual death that is inevitable. The curse manifests itself in physical and relational pain, frustrating work and death. It makes human existence hopeless. But even within the curse, even within these verses is the seed of a transforming hope. Jesus breaks the curse. All who trust in him are curse breakers. We have a sure hope. 
death and the curse will be defeated through the gospel they will be overcome the world we live in has problems that cannot be fixed with a trip to home depot it does not function the way it is intended I've said this a lot in recent weeks and I'll repeat it again today. 2020 has been pretty terrible, but it actually makes aspects of my job a lot easier. I don't have to make a convincing case that the world does not function as it should. Every day provides all of us with plenty of evidence. Now certainly, coronavirus is the source of plenty of this dysfunction but in addition to what is going on medically there's the fact that unemployment has skyrocketed most kids will be going to school part-time and most everyone is more anxious eventually we will get past the challenge of COVID whenever that happens hopefully soon the world will still be messed up people will still get sick sometimes with just a cold and sometimes with cancer politics will still be defined by gridlock companies will still go out of business and our favorite sports teams will sometimes lose in the most heartbreaking fashion this is not the way the world is supposed to be God created the world good much of what we long for is based on how God designed the world to operate we are endlessly trying to recreate that good world human sin released destructive forces through it, the fabric of the created order was torn asunder. You see in the verses previous to those we read today that mankind's relationship with God and each other is negatively impacted by sin. God's curse of all creation is the terrible consequence that results from human sin. The consequence of sin is deserved. Our ancestors defied God with their desire to be like him. They looked around at the blessings of a good world and said to themselves, this is not enough. While we may not have been part of the initial defiance, we continue to defy God in the same way by denying that God alone is sufficient for us. In response to humanity effectively saying that we do not need God he hands us over to the Pandora's box we have unleashed on ourselves and the world death entered the world through humanity's rejection of God now we have to deal with it from the Bible's perspective death isn't just what happens 
when we take our final breath. When God created humanity, he commanded them saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Even as we breathe, this curse is in effect. The world is filled with dead men walking. Colossians 2.13 describes the natural state of man as being dead in our trespasses. From God's perspective, man in a state of sin is a zombie. You guys have probably seen these zombie movies or zombie TV shows. Not alive, but still moving. Driven by a destructive hunger that cannot be managed or controlled. We tear each other apart, spreading our spiritual disease, physical existence, robbed of spiritual life is a terrible thing. The cursed reality of this world extends into every area of our lives. With sin, pain became an unavoidable part of human existence. God says to the woman, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. There are a few ladies here today that can testify to the truth of that verse. A woman having a child is the most natural possible thing. Yet it will be a source of pain. And the people that read this passage in depth argue that the pain being described isn't just the physical pain of labor, but the pain of raising children and all that goes along with that. Life involves physical pain. We can prevent it and manage it to some extent but we cannot avoid it. Having children is a good thing. It is something God commands people to do. We should not expect that doing what God wants frees us from the pain that comes with living in this world. The curse of God on all creation is still in effect. Christians are still part of the world. If anything, we should expect to encounter pain even when we are doing the right thing as Christians. We are called to engage with the pain of the world as Jesus did. Every Christian is supposed to be picking up their cross daily. We shouldn't seek pain. We should understand that if we are going to live out our faith, painful things will happen. The pain we experience isn't only physical, it's relational as well. Even the most basic relationship God gave humanity for our mutual benefit 
the relationship between man and woman becomes problematic. To God said, your desire will be for your husband. And he will rule over you. According to Bible scholar Susan T. Foe, the desire referenced in the verse is a woman's desire to possess and control her husband. The tendency of men will be to rule over their wife. The dynamics being described here are not healthy. We see these dysfunctional tendencies all the time in marriages. Wives that henpeck and manipulate their husbands, husbands that bully and ignore their wives, both being selfish, neither being satisfied. The relational pain that exists in human relationships isn't limited to marriage, though. It manifests itself in every relationship, family, friendship, business partnerships, and politics are all impacted. There is no relationship between people that will not have to deal with the challenges inherent in all relationships. A common occurrence for those looking to escape from a relational pain is to focus on work. I can control my work, right? I can make it what I want it to be. While women are prone to this as well, it is a particularly common strategy for men. Work is not an escape from pain though. It requires painful toil all the days of your life. In addition to pain, the ambitions of our work are frustrated. The sweat that gets put into work results in thorns and thistles just as much as the good outcomes we desire. Everything made by man is imperfect and temporary. The same is true of lives in general. Our time on earth is imperfect and temporary. Eventually, it will end in death. Verse 19 is too impactful to not be read in full. It says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Life is short. Eventually, it will end in death. Thomas Hobbes famously described the life of man as solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. The physical building blocks that make up our current form will return to the dirt. Evidence we ever existed will pass away. The curse of death hangs over life. One of the highest achievements of our culture is the extent to which we ignore death. We whistle past the graveyard until it becomes unavoidable. Then we hide dying out of sight. 
wealth, technology, and entertainment keep us distracted in the meantime, our medical capacity makes us think life can go on without end. Death is not so easy to avoid. It is the inevitable result of sin. All have sinned. All will die. The curse manifests itself in physical and relational pain, frustrating work, and ultimately death. It makes human existence hopeless. But even within the curse is the seed of a transforming hope. At present, the curse is still impacting our lives. Nothing works as it should. Living in the world involves experiencing the negative results of the fall. We live in a cursed world. Being a Christian does not make us immune to the effects of the curse. Bad things will happen. Raising children and going to work will involve plenty of frustration. Disease and natural disasters will be part of our experience. God subjected this world to the curse so that we would not be content with being the walking dead. Paul writes in Romans 8, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. The verses we looked at from Genesis today inform us of the curse, they also contain this first gospel indication. In the final line of God's curse of the serpent, God says, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Theologians refer to this as the proto gospel. The serpent represents sin. The he being referred to is the offspring of the woman. The, the woman's offspring will crush the serpent's head. You see in this verse the vague outline of what Jesus will do on the cross. Sin, the source of the curse, will be crushed even as sin sinks its deadly poison into the man that crushes it. Sin and the resulting curse are undone by Christ. This victory is in the process of coming to complete fruition in the world. Jesus is undoing the curse. 1 Corinthians 15 lets us know that the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet.
We exist in a world where Christ is establishing dominion. He has already won. While the outworking of the victory is not yet completed, as followers of Christ, we have the opportunity to be curse breakers with him, extending his reign into all creation. My bathtub was cursed. Not in a special way. There's no witch that put a hex on it that I know of. No witch doctor that stabbed a small replica of it with a pen. The fact that it leaked in the first place was a product of the general curse on all creation that is present in the world we live in. My difficulty fixing it was the result of the same curse and also my own personal incompetence. The world we live in doesn't function as it should. Things malfunction and break. Relationships do as well. Our knowledge of how to make things better is inherently limited. A faulty bathtub is easy enough. Every person here today and watching online will face much more significant challenges before next Sunday. The curse, which is the result of sins, means that we will face many problems. The gospel, which undoes the curse, means that we have the ultimate answer to the cursed world we exist in. The gospel doesn't mean I will know how to fix everything that goes wrong in my life. Plumbing will still leak. Work will still involve frustration. Relationships will include pain. And unless God comes back, my physical body will someday return to the dust. It does mean all who trust in Jesus Christ have access to the ultimate solution. The good news of God breaks the curse. In the future, there will be no more curse. In the present, we can make gospel progress to that end through what Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, there is so much frustration, so much futility in our world. And it is so easy to respond with anger and frustration or, or just to give up. Just to give up and say, I can't handle it anymore, Lord. We thank you that you did not give up on this world, that you have not given up on this world, that you entered in to its brokenness, Lord, and through Jesus Christ, that you are working in accord with your spirit to make this world right again, to restore your people, Lord. I pray that you would be with us as individuals and as a community, and that we would not despair 
in the face of the curse of this world, but that we would trust in what you have done, the good news of the gospel, and in what you continue to do. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll now enter into a time of communion. We typically take communion on the first Sunday of each month here at Byfield Parish Church. Hopefully, all of you have already received your little uh, communion packet. If you haven't received that, maybe put a hand up and somebody will hopefully bring one to you. Uh, if you are the parent of a child here with us today, they are welcome to participate in communion if you believe that they have a childlike faith and understand what communion represents. I will, re I will warn parents from last month, based on the reviews of my own children, that my children did not find this communion particularly tasty. So if your kids are used to normal grape juice, they may be disappointed by what they find in this little container. And uh, yeah, so you may not want them spitting that out. That's your call. Um, wanna clarify what the purpose of communion is by reading from 1 Corinthians. The apostle Paul reminds us why communion is important and in what spirit we should take it. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself in taking communion we remember christ and proclaim his death with this in mind let us not take communion with unrepentant hearts let's take a moment of quiet reflection after that, I will pray and then we will say the Lord's Prayer together before we take the elements. Dear Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on behalf of us that while we were yet sinners christ died for us he took the curse that was the result of our sin upon himself and paid that price and we rejoice in that we remember that today as we bring our own sins before you they have been atoned for that cost has been paid Amen. Now let us pray together the Lord's Prayer. We will not be singing it today. Uh, you guys do not want me singing for you. 
We'll just repeat it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And deliver us, <laughs> but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can now open the top clear plastic portion of these little disposable communion things and take out the wafer. Take and eat. Christ's body was broken for your sins. And now let us drink the juice. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the cup and said, this is the new covenant of my blood. Empty all of it. Dear Lord, we thank you again for your body and blood. We thank you that you did not just leave us to the curse that we rightfully earned, but that you took that curse upon yourselves. I pray that our lives would be defined by the joy that that should bring about. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.